Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Ron Berner, thank you so much for being on the Mike Litton Experience. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. Uh, thanks. Welcome to the welcome to the program, bud. No, no worries, man. It was good to meet you the other day, and uh, happy to jump on and uh, have a little chat here. Yeah, it was fun. So, like we talked about before we hit record, we everybody has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. So, with your permission, we're going to start with where you were born, and then go all the way up to today, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, I was born here in San Diego. Yeah. Um, grew up my whole life here in San Diego. I spent two years in Las Vegas from like 2013 to 2015. Um, have a huge family here in San Diego. So ended up back here. Um, yeah. So I boomeranged pretty quick, but I spent two years out in Vegas, but the rest of my life, all been in San Diego, all been in like East, uh, East County, San Diego. Um, right. uh, mostly Santee. I spent a little bit of time Lakeside, Oklahoma, but mostly Santee. Okay. So growing up in in Santee, Lakeside area, East County, San Diego, what was your favorite thing about it? Man, favorite thing about it is I think it's a big like sports area. So yeah. like I was in sports my whole life. Um, I was in Little League. My dad coached me. Um, we spent our whole life like at the Little League field. Um, Santee kind of had that small town feel. It's kind of lost a little bit of that. It's gotten bigger. But I think Santee's done a good job of like building out um, the right way. Um yeah. But um, spent most of my childhood on a soccer field, football field, baseball field. Um, my parents didn't give me any time to relax or get into trouble. So we yeah. spent uh, almost all of my time, you know, on some kind of a field. They burned all your energy off. Absolutely. I had a lot of energy with my ADD. So they yeah. had to get me uh, to do something. So I didn't drive them totally crazy. Yeah, um, me too. So knowing, you know, um, as you get older and stuff, if you're in sports, you know, it's it's a lot easier to succeed. So I can see what my parents did is they made sure once I got into high school, I didn't have time to get into the wrong things. Yeah, absolutely. So what high school did you go to? I went to Santana High School. Um, okay. My mom um, still owns her house that, that uh, she bought in 1983. Um, her backyard kind of faces the uh, baseball field. So I grew up walking across the street. I, I, for some reason, drove once I had my license. It was actually longer to drive than it was to walk. Yeah. But it sounded better once you have that car to actually drive. Uh, yeah. But I went to Santana High School um, for all four years. It wasn't the practicality. It was the principle. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I was able to swing by the donut store, right? And like, and uh, some people won't understand this, but I used to grab the paper to read the sports page every day. There wasn't yeah. internet. I wasn't able to pull up all the fantasy stats. So I would go grab the paper so I could read through the sports page every day. Yeah, a lot of people nowadays don't get that, right? We yeah. used to read that stuff all the time, right? And you get the you get the black fingers and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. I actually miss newspapers, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, so you, so what was your favorite of all the sports you played in high school? What was your favorite? sport 
My favorite sport was football, and I actually still coach high school football to this day. I, I yeah. started coaching um, as soon as I graduated. Um, absolutely just loved football. Wasn't great at it, so it wasn't because I was, you know, the best player on the team, but loved the team atmosphere, you know, 40 to 50 guys on a team. Um, some of my closest friends um, were either people that I played football with growing up or people that I've met coaching football. Um, and um, to me, it was just the ultimate team sport that you need, you know, 40 to 50 people to get by. And it, it isn't like some of the other sports. I think in baseball, you know, softball, you can have like one dominating player that can kind of carry a team. Um, football is a lot less like that because even if you have one really good running back, but if you don't have linemen or vice versa, if you have one good lineman, but no running back so that you need the whole team and that you're basically only as good as your weakest player. And I think that uh, team sports teaches us a lot for later on in life. Um, and my coaches were very hard on me. I was probably more scared of my coaches than, than my parents. Oh, yeah. um, and they made sure that I was, you know, getting good grades, staying out of trouble, hanging out with the right people. Um, so um, I, I'm a, a big fan of, uh, of uh, football. Yeah. So where, where do you coach football now? I coach at Santana, which is where I went to school. So oh, okay. um, my second okay. year there, I was the head JV coach this year. Um, had, um, I think 33 kids on the team. Wow. We had no one ineligible. We went seven and three. Um, so it That's was an awesome season, had some really, really good kids and, uh, really proud that we were able to get all of them eligible and have them all finish their season. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. So, um, so in coaching football and it's been now a few years, right? You've been doing it now for a while. Yeah, I started in 1998. I took off two years when I went to Vegas for work. So um, probably 25, 26 seasons. So um, what's funny was I was always one of the younger coaches and now all of a sudden I'm one of the older coaches. So I don't like that transition. Um, Amazing um, how that works. Right. Or you like wake up one day and you're the oldest and, guy in the room. Yeah, well that and like now like um, um, all the kids that I coach weren't even born when I went to yeah. high school. Yeah. Uh, I had a kid this year tell me I was so old that they probably had MySpace when I was in high school. I was like, that was 10 years after I was in high school. Right. We had dial-up internet when I was in high school. Um, so to have that conversation with some young kids or to tell them that we used to have to call, if we wanted to talk to, talk to a girl, yeah. we had to call their house, talk yeah. to their parents, ask for permission to speak to them. Right. Um, you want to talk about you know looking at 15, 16-year-old kids uh, heads explode to think about calling parents, not just being able to send a DM or a text or yeah. meet me at the mall. Right. We had to go to their house and pick them up and like have a phone conversation. And we had pagers. And, uh, and then once you tell those stories, you're like, man, I'm getting really old here. Yeah. So I was just, I was just interviewing a guy the other day. That's a big, big real estate investor in San Diego County now. And he used to work for the Disney cruise line. And when we took our Disney cruise, they handed me a pager. Okay. An old, a Motorola pager, right? And I hadn't carried a pager in, I don't know, probably 10 years prior to that, right? But that was the last model pager that I had with PageNet. Remember PageNet, right? Yeah. Uh, that was the last model pager that I had. And so the the gal at the at the check-in desk at, at the Disney Cruise hands me the, the pager and she says, oh, this is how it works. And my wife goes, he knows how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he knows how Trust it works. Me, he doesn't need a tutorial, right? Yeah, yeah I, and I carried that pager during the entire cruise. It was a crack up because I hadn't carried a pager in ten years. You know. Yeah. So, um, so you, so you graduate from from high school. Then where do you go? Um. So work wise, I worked. So my family owns a, a restaurant here in San Diego. So I worked there. You know, kind of growing up. Um. And then I went to work for my uncle doing sheet metal roofing. Um. Fell off a ladder twice. Decided that wasn't it. Wow. Um. I went to work at West Hills High School. I was coaching football there. Um, got laid off there, um, went to work for PepsiCo 
Mm-hmm. That's where I got most of my uh, experience, worked my way up from the guy stocking the shelves to a salesperson. I was a district manager. My last job there, I was in charge of all the people that uh, delivered um, serviced machines and um, and stocked all the shelves for all the San Diego, all the budgeting. Right. I left there, went and did like a cool job where I traveled, sold sold stuff to Pepsi and Coke. I managed the whole West Coast. Um, the coolest account I had is I called on Starbucks headquarters. So I used, to, I used to get to go to Starbucks headquarters once a quarter to call on them and uh, talk to them about their merchandising and uh, branding. Um, left that, I went to work for Dr. Pepper Snapple Group. Um, I was in their 7-Up division. I spent one year uh, here in San Diego. I went out and ran the Las Vegas branch. So I ran all of Las Vegas, um, all the way from Baker to Las Vegas to Mesquite. Um, did that for two years. I wanted to get out of the corporate world, needed to move back to San Diego. I got my real estate license as a backup plan. If I couldn't yeah. find a real job in San Diego, I told my wife, I'll just move back and figure out how to sell houses yeah. and um, did it part-time from 2016 to 2020. Okay. Um, I, I had a, another business. If you've ever had like kids goldfish, um, oh. it, it's owned by a company called Pepperidge Farm. Yeah, uh-huh. I owned the exclusive route. Um, I had I had part of Escondido and half of San Marcos, so I owned that route. Oh and wow! So oh, I cool. used to I um, when I first got into real estate and, and bought that route, <clears throat> I used to get up at three thirty in the morning, drive to San Marcos, pick up a trailer, make deliveries until eleven thirty or twelve, drive home, shower, do my real estate, go to football practice or baseball practice while I was coaching my kids, then do real estate at night, wow. and then that got too busy, so I went from three thirty in the morning till about eight hired out the the other half of my route to some people around me, um, would get to Keller Williams, where I was at the time, uh, about nine o'clock every day to start my real estate business. That got too busy. I sold that business, went 100% real estate, had just started a team in February of 2020. Right. Then COVID hit. And my Perfect wife timing. was like, what in the heck did you do? And um, <laughs> as you know, here in California, we weren't even allowed to work. I know. I think for the first three or four weeks, we were told only to work on current deals. We weren't allowed to go to our office. Yeah. Um, we were non-essential no open houses, no showing houses, no nothing. Yeah. And, and we, we were non-essential workers, I think, for the first yeah. three weeks. Um, we had to wear gloves. And um, I always tell people the most interesting time of my life was walking into someone's house during COVID because um, you've done this longer than me, but um, going into someone's house is uncomfortable as it is. You're showing up, meeting a stranger on a listing appointment. You don't know them. You don't know if they have dogs. You're trying to read them and figure out what you're going to talk about, how you're going to get on the same page. And now you add in the extremes of COVID of, I sat in, you know, someone's house for an hour and 45 minutes with the mask and gloves on. I don't know what, I don't know what the gloves were for, but they wanted me to wear gloves. Um, I was in a lot of people's houses that were a lot older. And then I got to some houses that wouldn't let you in if you had a mask. And so you had every extreme of person and you're in someone's house, like touching things and you had to wear gloves. If you remember, we had to to carry sanitizer with us and you can find sanitizer and you had to have have the spray. Right. Yeah. And so like spray to disinfect everything. And, oh. right. and so it made our lives a lot harder. We had to have that that uh, stupid card on every front door of like the rules. And then you had to like babysit your client to like, don't touch anything. Right. Don't don't cough. And we had yeah. to do those those forms. Remember, for every house you showed, yeah. someone had to sign a waiver that they didn't have yeah. COVID. So um, that was a very interesting time to launch a team, <laughs> start a company. Um, I, I was, um, you know, a brand new team leader with brand new agents on my team and trying to guide through all of that um, was definitely an interesting year. We ended up having a good year, but it was very interesting time of my life and just a, a, a weird time of going into people's houses. 
trying to read them and trying to be respectful, but also, you know, trying to be on the same page as them. And every time you showed up at someone's house, you had no idea if you're masking up and putting on a suit, like you're going yeah. to space, or if they were just going to be like, Hey, you know, I'm not worried about mask or, or whatever. Yeah. We had respirators and goggles. Jeez. We had, we had, I'm not joking, man. We had, um, I was on the investment side. So I was helping, I was director of acquisitions for a, for a flipper in San Diego and we had a um, uh, cap that sometimes we would have to put on. So we'd have to put goggles on, respirators. People would, people would literally interview us from inside the house when we were sitting in the truck outside, wanting to know if we were vaccinated, wanting to know, you know, if we had gloves, wanting to know if we had shoe, if our we had shoe covers. Yeah. I mean, it was it was nuts. Right? You know what's funny is I've never worn a shoe cover in my life. I yeah. wear uh, size 13 shoes and uh, shoe covers are one size fits most and most is right. not 13. Right. Um, and I have no idea what the shoe cover was supposed to help during COVID. Yeah. I still don't understand what it helps. And I've been in houses where people put them on, they walk outside in the mud and drag it back in. I think it's yeah. like worse. Um, but yeah, and remember like title reps were bringing us booties and yeah. everyone was trying to get their hands on that stuff. So yeah, it was, a, it was a really, really interesting time. And uh, definitely if I had to choose would not have picked that year because it got crazy. It got really slow. And then it got really busy and um, trying to build a team at that time uh, was uh, definitely challenging. Yeah. I got stupid busy, right? Yes. Like yeah. all of a sudden the light went on and it just, that somebody lit a fire and it was crazy. Yeah. Like we went from like wondering if we should be in this business and me wondering yeah. like, should I've sold that other business and should I be doing this full time? And should I be building a team to, Oh my God, I can't keep up. And right. we're just too busy. And now I have I have too many people to help. And now I need more agents quickly to help catch up. Yeah. And Pepperidge, and a lot of people were getting out of the business. And Pepperidge Farm is food, right? Yes. So that's yeah. essential. Yes. Right. So like I didn't make like a ton of money there, but I at least had a consistent check every Friday that I yeah. knew I was going to be delivering something. I had the Walmart up there off of Nordall. I had um the Ralphs over there by the college um yeah. on um Twin Oaks. Um, so I knew I was going to get some kind of a check every week. And then when you yeah. go into this with no guaranteed check and then COVID hits and you can't work for a couple of weeks, it kind of makes you start thinking about your decisions of like, was this the right move? And you're, I was investing yeah. money into a team and, and getting leads and building out the infrastructure. So uh, definitely some challenging times when that first started. And then all of a sudden we were so busy. I didn't have time to even think about anything. I was just running around chasing my tail that year, trying to get as many deals done as we could. That was crazy, man. What a crazy time. So, so you get through, so you get through all of that, right? And you get your, you get your team built or you're building your team and something happened in your life. Something happened that, that made you, that sort of spurred you to, to, to make some changes in your lifestyle. It sounds like. Yeah. So the, like, are you going towards the, the, uh, the weight loss part part? I am actually good. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I built my team. Um, I, I ended up moving over to eat to uh, EXP. Yeah. Um, I met, um, someone named Amber Welch. She's my partner now. Oh. Um, I, I met her at Keller Williams. We ended up coming to EXP as two separate teams. Then we ended up merging our, our teams together, but we were partnering there. And, um, so you why know, did you merge? Huh? Why did you merge? I'll give you that in a second after this, okay. but, um, so, um, real estate is probably the, least healthy business in the world oh, yeah. because I'm invited to lunch seven days a week, um, happy hours, all of that. And so um, I had had weight loss surgery in 2015 
okay. I believe 2013, lost some weight, put some back on. And um, again, we're at happy hours. There's tons of opportunities to drink and have fun. And yeah. every event we go to is a party, right? Like mm -hmm. if there's one thing real estate agents get right is having fun. Yeah. Um, but not healthy, right? Energy drinks, coffee, all yeah. of that. It's really bad. And um, coming up about a year ago, um, I was in Vegas and someone kind of pulled me aside, one of my mentors and just said, Hey man, like, you know, like I've noticed that you put on some weight and really got to focus on your, you know, um, your weight and your health and, you know, working hard and making all this money. But like, if your health's not there, it's not worth it. Yeah. I was really upset at the time. I was like, man, how dare this guy tell me that I'm getting fatter. Right. Like as right. And, and we're literally like drinking together and eating, mm -hmm. um, and the guy's delity. Right. But it's kind of, right. you know, kind of thought about that. And, um, um, one of my good friends, Mike Proctor, signed me up um, at his gym for a uh, weight loss challenge. It's free. He literally sent it to me on a calendar invite and was like, show up at 11 o'clock next Saturday. We're doing this weight loss challenge together. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Right. Um, that sounds terrible. Like, I'm not a big gym guy and I love to eat bad. So yeah. those two things together, you know, sounded terrible. They were quite, yeah. <laughs> um, started going to the gym. Really, really liked it. It's called Attitude 32. It's right here in El Cajon. It's like two blocks from my office. So there's literally zero excuses um, <laughs> for me to go. And like, and like as you know, Mike was thinking. Like, I don't have to clock in, right? So, like, I don't have to be here by a certain time. So, there's literally no excuses other than I'm too busy, which means right. I don't care about it. Right. Um, so, I did the challenge, lost, like, I think it was, like, 18 pounds the first time. Super excited. Um, by the time the next challenge had come up, I gained those 18 pounds back. Hmm. And then I was like, that sucked. Yeah. Like, I put in way too much work in those 30 days. So, the second challenge, I lost 16 pounds. And then I said, you know, I'm just going to see if I can make it to the next challenge at the same weight, right? I'm not going to kill myself, but I wasn't, I was doing like no alcohol, you know, watching the calories, going to the gym, you know, three to five times a week. I'm just going to go to the gym and eat what I want, not drink and just see if I can make it, you know, just be like, be like a normal person, not put the weight back on. Got to the next challenge, two pounds down from the last, the previous challenge. <laughs> I was able to, I think I lost 14 pounds in that challenge. Um, and then did the same thing again. Um, and so, you know, now, now total, I think I'm down 36 or 38 pounds in about 14 months now. Um, I'm in between challenges now. So I'm back to like normal life, just trying to eat a little bit better, not trying to, you know, do too many of the events, stay off the alcohol, um, and the empty calories. And then, um, on the, the time that the next challenge comes, going to buckle down and keep going. Um, I definitely have seen energy go up, feeling better, um, people that I haven't seen in a while when I run into them, like, man, like, have you lost weight? And it's always good to hear that. Right. And like, after you put out a social media post about it, you're like, do people really notice that I lose weight or did they see on Instagram that I lost weight? So they feel like they need to say it, but, um, it's been fun as part of that. And, you know, seeing the energy go up and, um, having my kids notice it as well. Cause they're like, I want them to be healthy and not them seeing, you know, being, um, unhealthy. So. Well, you won't be around for them too. Yeah. And then like, I just went to the doctors two weeks ago, had the best blood test of my life. My cholesterol is better today than it was when I was in my mid twenties. Um, doctor was really, really happy with it. So, um, that that's exciting. Cause I've had some uncomfortable, terrible conversations with my doctor yeah. about weight and cholesterol and, you know, um, bad hearts run in my family. So he was always kind of concerned for me. So, you know, to think today at 43, I have better cholesterol numbers and better blood tests than I did when I was 25, um, was, um, exciting for me. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm proud of you, buddy. I've told you Thank that. you, man. But I am, I am truly proud of you. Thank so, you. And then, um, so on the merger part is Amber yeah. and I kind of had a um, partnership at Keller Williams. We came over to EXP. They're a little bit more strict on like at the time, at least they were on like team agreements and splits. And so we came over as two separate teams. 
but we had the same office and did kind of a cost share, just kind of took everything it took to run the office and had two separate teams. As I'm sure you've seen in, in our industry, the bigger, the uh, big teams are getting bigger. It's mm -hmm. getting harder and harder to be in that middle. So you either need to have a really, really small team or, or a big team, in my opinion. For me, coming out of corporate America, when I got into real estate, I said I'd never have a team. I'd never manage anybody. I just dealt with that and that. And so I just wanted to be a loan agent. I literally started my team on accident. I hired an assistant. I had to have a team name. I called it the burner team. Mm -hmm. um, that's less paperwork with uh, the DRE, just kind of get it done. And um, and so when when Amber and I had met, and we had been partners, but ran separate P&Ls and separate teams, um, we kind of figured out that we waste a lot of time. Hmm. Being a team leader takes a lot of time. And something as stupid as writing a rent check. Like hmm. I wrote a rent check, she wrote a rent check. So just something as stupid as those five minutes and us coordinating, is she writing the check or am I writing the check and leaving on each other's desk. If you take that and multiply it amongst if she was meeting with Zillow and I was meeting with Zillow and I was meeting with the website person, she was in marketing, right? Like we were doing everything double yeah, or a medium sized team, or could we put that together into a big team and yeah. me take half of the team leader job, her take the other half of the team leader job. And then both of us are doing the same thing for, you know, now we're up to 40 agents, yeah. but now we're doing the same thing for 40 agents instead of doing two different things for 20 agents. And then secondly, her and I are very different. So what I'm good at, um, she may not be. And then what she's good at, I'm not. So it was very clear of what she should do and what I should do and what we were good at. And we've been able to complement each other. And um, as we're recruiting people, it's been interesting to tell people that we have two team leaders and kind of how we split it up. And I don't know of any other teams that are kind of doing what we're doing that have two team leaders, um, especially a male and a female team leader. Um, and so I haven't seen that a lot. And then, you know, just the fact that each of us have our, our different skills on and are able to jump in to different situations and have different perspectives. Yeah. I also think I get asked a lot how I ended up with a female business partner and I didn't like go out searching for that. It just happened to be her in it. Um, but the good, the biggest mistake I think people make is they try to find their good friends or people they've grown up with to be business partners yeah. or their friends. And they all think alike and you have two or three um, especially guys that sit in a room and they all think the same and they think every idea is good. Yeah. Um, and so it's good to have someone that thinks opposite of you. So yeah, that when you have an idea that you think is good and it's stupid, you have someone that thinks differently to tell you. And, and Amber right. is honest enough to say like, Hey, that's not going to fly or it's not going to be good. But yeah. with every problem that we've had on our team and that we're going on a year now, we've been able to look at it from two different sides and like two different thinking and come up with solutions instead of having everyone that thinks the same and acts the same, um, trying to come up, come up with the uh, solution and having a bunch of yes people that just always agree. I think it's good to have people that think differently yeah. as you're looking at, you know, building a team, trying to build structure, um, trying to build marketing, trying to build messaging, you know, um, everyone has their own opinion on that. Um, but I think it's good to have different views on that rather than everyone who thinks the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, you know, we have our own way of looking at things as men, right? Women are blessed. Okay. And we're blessed to have them in our lives. I don't know if you've ever read this book, but if you ever get a chance, you should. Some, our former pastor who did our premarital counseling, married us, the whole thing. Um, he and his wife have written over 40 books on marriage and family. And one of the most popular books they ever wrote was men are like waffles. Women are like spaghetti. And it's men compartmentalize things into these little squares, like a, like a waffle and women 
everything they do looks like a bowl of spaghetti with emotion. It's emotions tied to everything. You can't tell a female to leave their emotions at the door. It's not possible, right? But it's also a blessing because they have intuition. They have feelings. They have things that go on that we just don't have. We don't tap into that side of things. So having a female business partner is absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant because they bring things to the table that we just don't bring. Right. It's that simple. Yeah. And and the biggest part for me was just a, a different way of thinking. Yeah. Um, and then the stuff that she's good at, she's the best, best salesperson I've ever met. Um, the marketing side, image, uh, messaging, stuff like that. Um, I can barely type out a sentence. I can read contracts, but my English isn't good. But so um, I'm like, I have zero input on like team messaging or like what we're putting out or like what should be in there. Like I obviously see it and like, you know, we'll like talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. But that was something that was big to her. And then she handles all of our sales training, anything kind of pre escrow Mm -hmm. um, she manages. So all of our sales training, um, training, um, overseeing the marketing stuff and then post escrow is, is where I manage. So right. any problems people have in an escrow, the problems, um, I also have my lending license. So if there's a lending problem, I'll jump in to help or call lenders or call escrow, stuff like that. So, and like all of our systems leads kind of all the back end stuff I handle. And then she handles kind of all the front end stuff and we kind of split it down the middle and, we, and we've done a good job of staying in each other's lanes and, you know, not jumping into, um, each other's way. That's cool, man. That's it. Sounds like a really, really good partnership, and it sounds like it was a really wise thing that you did merging. Yeah, and it's funny that we actually had a mutual friend. We met at Keller Williams. Um, it's a funny story. She sat next to me in a in a, a meeting to meet me, and me being the rude person, I'm not a people person. I'm a little bit goofy. Um, I didn't even say hi to her and bailed. Um, so that was actually like our first meeting was me ignoring her in a training when she sat next to me to meet me. And then we ended up being friends and and uh, partners. But she loves to tell that story that our first time meeting that I totally ignored her and just ditched the uh, the training. Um, but that's just me. I'm, I'm a little goofy with people. I don't like big crowds. And so when I'm in trainings and stuff, normally I'll slide in, slide out. I don't talk to a lot of people, but I literally sat next to her and didn't even say hi to her. And then, you know, uh, you know, maybe four years later or like three years later, we're business partners running a, a team together. So well, that was Amber. Yes. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. So she went to a training to meet you and you just and you just basically well, so like she was already at the training, but we had a mutual friend. And so she sat next to me so that we could meet each other because her oh friend had said goodness. like, hey, my friend Ron Berner works there, too. She saw me yeah. sat next to me so we could meet. I never said hi because that's just me at a meeting and I've 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 gotten better since then and she's coached me on like how to actually talk to people a little better and uh part of what we're supposed to do at meetings is network but I just went sat to the meeting the meeting was over I got up and left I didn't say hi to like one person in there oh, uh, wow. and then on the second time she sat next to me and introduced herself uh, to me <laughs> because I didn't she knew I wasn't going to say hi right. so it's really not the best way to you know to uh, make friends and uh, find a business partner but it worked out for us um, but it's funny that, uh, that uh, we actually met at Keller Williams um, and then ended up working together and you know sharing some ideas and her, uh, she started her team kind of right after me so we were kind of working on the same thing so it just made sense for us to kind of work together to figure them out online leads stuff like that and uh, I built my whole business on online leads. I'm a big Zillow guy. I was at Coldwell Banker before on their online lead team. So I built my whole business on online leads. And she built her whole business off social media, friends, 
Um, and so we kind of thought, hey, like if we can put the best of both worlds together and bring in the online leads and kind of teach people how to do that and kind of keep that going. And then if she could teach my team what she was doing with sphere of influence and social media, obviously that's more profitable because you're not paying for the lead. Um, if we could put, you know, put both those together, um, that would be better than just us trying to run on our own and figure it out on our own. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's awesome. It's yeah, and so we, we've had a good year this year. Last year, um, if you take like the deals her team did on my leads and 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 my team, we did forty nine million last year. Wow. Um, this year, we're on pace for uh, about ninety five million. Um, awesome. So almost double this year when the market is down, and um, we're really hitting um, some good traction right now. Getting a lot of agents calling us. We have a lot of newer agents that have come to us. Um, we had a guy that closed a deal today. It's his thirtieth day on the team, and oh. he has his first closing. Um, so we've done really really well with new agents and done um really well with putting on like a, a training program and it's so fun to watch you know new agents come that are barely licensed and help them get into transactions right away and it's been a change for me instead of being excited about your own escrow or figuring out your own problem now now you're you know helping other people and seeing their excitement when they're able to get their first deal done second deal done or get through their you know first major problem they have in an escrow yeah it's rewarding when you build people up right and you help them get to where they need to be it's really, really rewarding. It's yeah, and for us, like when we moved to EXP, we had a very new team. Um, I was a brand new team leader. Amber was still brand new team leader. And we had a lot of first year and second year agents. The cool part now, three years later, those second year agents are now in their fourth year. A lot of them are still on the team. We got the, those first year agents or th you know, three year agents. So instead of only having a couple of us that can run around and ask questions, now we have these you know, four and three year agents that are now um, bringing in new agents that they've met. And they're training them and mentoring them and teaching them like what they've done. So it's been cool to kind of watch these brand new agents go from a first year to a second year to a third year. You know, now they're moving into their fourth year. Um, one of them is our marketing director, but, you know, they're out helping other people and helping them get better compared to just, you know, um, you know, maybe three, four years ago, we're just figuring out like real estate. So that part's been fun. And thankfully, we've had very loyal people on our team. A lot of the good ones have stayed. We've been able to get rid of the drama people as quickly as possible. And so we have a really cool team. Again, we're up to like 40 agents and uh, things are going really, really good. It's been fun. A couple of quick questions. Growing up, who was the most influential person to you growing up? Influential to me was probably my dad. Mm -hmm. um, he kind of put his career on hold to coach me. Um, always owned his own business. What was that? What do you do? Um, he did sheet metal and then he owned his own restaurant and then he went back into sheet metal. He went to be a teacher for a couple hours and then now he owns a, a restaurant again. Um, but you know, he was always a entrepreneur, mm -hmm. made sure that uh, he was able to be there to coach us and, and do all of that. That was important to me. Everyone in my family owns their own business. Okay. I was the only one that went corporate America. I was like, forget that. That's way too much work. And the restaurant business sucks. Um, yeah. I had way too many weekends ruined in my childhood because we had to yeah. go to the restaurant because some bonehead called in sick. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not doing that. Um, and then, you know, he coached forever. He's the uh, head football coach at El Cap. I think he's on his 25th or 26th season. Wow. Um, he's one of only like 25 coaches to win 100 wins in San Diego at oh, the same cool. school. Um, and so he really got me into like sports and and coaching and being an entrepreneur. It took me much longer to get there than it did him because I was scared to go the commission only and, and you know, own my own business. Um, but I definitely kind of followed in his footsteps to want to coach and own my own business. And um, part of why I want to own my own business is that I can coach my kids. I coached my kid up until he was 10 years old in baseball. Last year, I didn't coach him in baseball and I went and coached my daughter in eight-year-old softball. 
which if you haven't done that, try that. If you want to test your patience, just make sure you're really good at make sure you're really good at tying shoes. Because I'm tying kids' shoes. Be ready for crying. Um, but I went to coach my daughter's uh, team last year. I'm not sure which one I'm going to coach this year, but I spend you know football season coaching the high school kids, and then um, I've I've either coached my uh, son or my daughter every year. And the cool thing about our business is, you know, my daughter got like citizen of the month recently. I didn't have to ask anybody to be off. I didn't have to worry about it. It's just, you put it in your calendar and say, Hey, you know, and like, I take my daughter to school every Wednesday. So I don't have to ask anybody for that. We don't have to, you know, figure that out. It's just, Hey, like I work for myself and this is what's important to me and I'm going to go do it. Yeah. And that's the best part. That's the best part is you get to spend quality time with them. Right. That was the best part for me. When my kids were growing up, I was at everything. I was that dad, right. I was at the basketball games. I was at the, at the football games. You know, I was, I, I didn't coach them. I mean, I coached Michael, you know, just he and I, but, um, but I didn't, um, you know, I was the announcer for the last 11 seasons. I've been the announcer for, um, for the football team, for their high school. And so um, I've, I've loved every minute of it. You know, I love football anyway, but it's a lot of fun to watch these kids do their thing. And uh, yeah, I think that there's the trade-off, right? Cause like I, I, um, got into real estate for work-life balance and then I found myself working seven days a week. Yeah. Um, but I can work at my own pace. Right. And my kids have seen me pacing on a patio um, a million times. They've seen me in the hotel, you know, trying to negotiate. I don't know how many times they've heard Shh, in the back of the car because I have a call right. coming in from a client that I got to take. Right. But I'm able to be there for their stuff and I don't have to miss, you know, too much of their stuff for a uh, work event. So there's the uh, the good and the bad. And I think my, you know, my, my six and 11 year old could probably quote you like what the rates are today because yeah. they they have to hear the uh, the morning update every day um, yeah. on, on uh, rates that I get. And, you know, could probably tell you like, you know, way too much about real estate that a kid shouldn't know because they hear a lot of my conversations in the car. Yeah. But um, but I'm able to be there for their stuff, pick them up, take them to stuff if I need to. So I'm very lucky in that respect. So my kids are 23 and 25. Okay. And they're starting to figure out that they learned a ton in our house. They learned a ton driving in the car with me in the truck, right? They learned a ton because they're now talking to people that they meet and they're now talking to people that are friends of theirs and that kind of thing. And they don't know anything about credit. They don't know anything about finance. They don't know anything about yeah. real estate. They don't know anything about these things, right? So my daughter has a boyfriend that knows nothing. Had his, he wanted to buy a truck, got his first two car loans declined. And she's like, you need to talk to my dad. I can't help you anymore. I spent yeah. an hour yeah. and 32 minutes on the phone with this kid. Okay. And he knew nothing, absolutely nothing. It's amazing how much they're absorbing. And I thought that there would be no way they would ever get into real estate. My son wants to come invest in real estate with me. And my daughter just came to work with me last month. That's awesome. And I thought, I thought there'd be no way that would ever happen, Ron. I, you could have knocked me over with a feather when I found out they were even interested. Yeah. In doing it, you know, because as we were guys, they were growing up, we were running that Keller Williams office for 18 years, right? If the stuff hit the fan, it ended up on my plate. Right, they yeah. heard the not so positive side of real estate for a very, very long time. For sure. And do they know their stuff? That's awesome. You know, it's cool. It's really cool. Your your kids are getting an education by osmosis and it's a very cool thing. I promise you. 
Yeah, it's funny that like my daughter asked me the other day when I said rates are down and she's like, what does that mean? So like on the way to school, I'm explaining to her, you know, how interest rates and, you know, she's six, but basically was, you know, walking her through that since interest rates are going down, people have to pay less per month for their house. And she's like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, it's very cool. If we can keep that going, it'd be really cool. Yeah, we want to keep that going for sure. Right. That's really cool, man. So we're up to today. We're up to where you are now. And I'm like I told you, I'm super proud of you on the on the weight loss side. And I want you to keep that going. And if I can help you, please reach out. Okay. Okay, I will. I know that I can, but if I can, I will. So let me ask you this. What's the future look like? What are we working on today that we're that's that's for the future, for your future? Man, so work-wise, um, we figured out our merger. We built like our our foundation. Now we're starting to add the agents and kind of figuring that out. Um, I think there's been some learning curve there on time management. You know, for me, um, I'm still an active agent, so I still yeah. sell houses. Then I have to be the CEO of a company to figure out, you know, the kind of you know CEO stuff. And then there's the team leader stuff, and then like the team leader meetings and stuff like that. So I think managing through that has been tough for me because sometimes you're like, what do I go work on? Or mm-hmm. today should I be prospecting for agents? Or right. should I be prospecting for listings? Because if right. I get a listing, I go right or left, right? Right. Yeah. Like if I make some calls today and get a listing, I'm going to get paid in 30 days. If mm-hmm. I call 10 agents and get one of them to sign up, I got to hope that one of them comes in, does the training and does all of that. Right. So um, sometimes it's hard, especially, you know, in this market, it's got a little bit tougher is, you know, where do you spend your time? Right. Um, and so um, we haven't really met to do our goals for next year. Um, I purposefully don't like to do goal setting at this time. And the reason being is I think all the people that are struggling and the brokerages that are struggling are looking at everyone going, we've had a shitty year. Mm-hmm. There's nothing good to say. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about next year yeah. and let's do that in November. And I think what that does is it takes the, the agents take their, uh, their pedal off the gas and they go, Hey, it's time to plan for next year. Next year is going to be better. And I think, I think there's one holiday that's bad for us is new year's. I think it creates fake optimism of next year is going to be the year. Next year is going to be different. But if you do everything the same this year, next year next year is going to be the same thing with a different year on it right yeah, but i think I people agree. just have this amazing thought that like next year is going to be my year and so what 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 we've said as our team is we're running an agent accelerator course talking about the things people should be doing and the activities we're doing we're doing that now through the end of the year it was a, a i think it was an eight week course we started about six weeks ago mm-hmm. but getting people to do all the right activities now so that we start on on january 1st killing it and not spending the next six weeks, um, you know, planning for it and hanging out and building vision boards and all that. Where like I think all that's important, but I think you're seeing brokerages and teams that struggled this year spend all their time on that. Like, come do vision boards with us because we're not selling houses, so we're going to do vision boards to make everyone not realize how bad this year was. Thankfully, we've had a good year, and it's really taking those agents that have done well, getting them to share kind of what's working for them, bringing in some new agents, getting them on board and getting us ready for next year. So we haven't made like our plans for next year and stuff like that, but um, our agent count is going up. Um, our lead count is going up. So, um, you know, our goal this year was to do a hundred million. <clears throat> that was a crazy goal of us doubling our business in a bad market. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to come between, you know, five and 6 million short. So um, even though it will be short to our goal, you know, short to the profit goal as well, I think it's still a really, really successful year and something to be proud of. Uh, I just don't know how aggressive we're going to be next year on agent count and or on on our sales count but i know that we're going to look for some crazy growth um there um as far as personally i haven't even had my meeting yet about like coaching football but i'll i'll be doing something with that 
Um, my son's playing travel baseball. It's going to be his 12 year old baseball year, which as you know, is a big year for baseball. Um, his team's going to Cooperstown, New York to the hall of fame. And they have some kind of Cooperstown hall of fame tournament. He's going to be in, in New York. So that's kind of the big plans, um, for next year. And then, uh, you know, just, just really trying to make sure I'm spending the time with the kids and trying to get that family vacation. in. I know it's a struggle. Every time we go to planet, something else pops up and yeah. my son plays travel baseball. So, um, on the weekends, if I'm not showing houses working, I'm at some kind of a baseball game or a softball mm-hmm. game or something like that. So that's what most of my life is. I'm I'm on a field. Um, I love coaching football. I love coaching kids. I had a coach that believed in me and, and helped me out kind of when I was a, a struggling teenage kid that maybe could have went in the wrong direction at that time. And so that's kind of my way to give back. I like to spend time with the kids and, you know, help them. So I, I think it keeps me young too. I know some of the terms that my kids use that us older people wouldn't understand, but I hear them from the high school kids. Um, so um, I'll be doing something with that, you know, spending time with the kids and uh, coaching them up either. I'll, I'll either be coaching baseball or softball or both and um, spending um, my time again, selling houses, hanging out with some friends, um, trying to get a little bit of, of travel in. And then uh, I also own racehorses. I'm, a, I'm big into horse racing. Um, really? Of course yesterday. Yeah. I, my, my other two um, just got sold recently. Uh, bought one yesterday. So I like to travel. My daughter absolutely adores horses. Okay. And so I've taken a couple of vacations just with her, taking her to Arizona. um, And and, uh, she loves to go to Del Mar when the horses are here. I have an owner's pass, so I can go on the backside, uh, take her over there to pet. We'll go pick up carrots and feed the horses. I have a really cool trainer um, at both locations that'll um, let them go play with the horses and stuff. So that's my passion outside of work. And that's, that's my vision board, right? If I can make enough money to keep buying horses and having fun and um, doing that. And it's, it's something that my uh, son doesn't necessarily like as much, but my daughter loves. So that's something her and I can do together as a, a daddy daughter event. And yeah. um, we had a blast one time I took her out to Phoenix and we went to the track and hung out and took her swimming and, you know, got to spend just two days with her. And then my wife and my son went and did their own thing. So um, that's one of my other passions and just, just uh, doing that and having fun and trying to figure out how to sell more houses. That's cool, dude. I didn't realize you were in race in horse racing. That's cool. Yeah, man. I love it. I mean, like I don't have the money for these big guys and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be running in the Derby probably. Right. I'm, I'm running low level claimers. You you never know. You never yeah, know. But, uh, but you know, it's fun and it's, it's such a blast and people have a, a bad perception of horse racing, but if you go on the backside and see how these horses are treated yeah. and fed, they're bathed every day. Um, they are so fun. Each horse is different. Yeah. I've always kind of, as a kid, I had a horse, but you look at horses and they all look the same when they're running, mm-hmm. but when you meet them, they all have a different personality. Yeah. You know, some of them are fun. Some are goofy. Some are going to try to bite you. So you got to, you know, you know, um, if you own them or don't own them, you got to, you know, understand kind of who you're talking to, but yeah. um, it's an absolute blast and it's fun um, to see the strategy behind it and the, what the jockeys are trying to do, what the trainers trying to do, how they're trying to move them up. Um, it's a blast and uh, definitely fun to do. That's cool, man. Well, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the future for you. Is there anything else that you'd like to cut, like to talk about before we wrap up? No, man, I think that's a lot. I just appreciate you for having me on here. And again, um, it was awesome meeting you the other day. And if I can ever help you out in any way, let me know, Mike. Hey, buddy, I appreciate you being on. Thank you so much for being our guest on the Thank Mike you. Litton Experience. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty.
Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.